0: Peace of our Lord be with you. you. As you may have noticed, this morning's gospel lesson from Mark chapter 9 is home to more appearances of the word hell than any other passage in the entire. Bible. The word hell appears only 13 times in the whole Bible, three of which are clustered together here in today's gospel reading, which I suppose might explain why every time the lectionary places in our path that passage it never fails to make me wonder all over again what might be true about hell i know of course what popular christianity says with absolute and unwavering certainty concerning what is true about hell, that those who do not respond with faith to Jesus will, for their refusal to believe in him, spend eternity in the perpetual punishment and endless agony of hell. Remember, I am the one who, in the summer of my 18th year, got myself rebaptized after being convinced by, I'm sure, a sincere and well meaning evangelist at Camp Zion in Myrtle, Mississippi that my previous salvation experience back home in Macon, Georgia was probably not sufficient to spare me from an eternity in hell. And it couldn't hurt to get saved again just to be sure that this time I got it right. I am also the one who that same summer left a revival meeting at Log Cabin Baptist Church one night, went straight to my grandfather's house and promised to give him the entire $211 I had saved from my summer construction job, if he would only ask Jesus into his heart. Because otherwise, according to the revival preacher, he was going to be tortured and burned in hell forever. So when I say to you that I know what popular Christianity says with certainty is the truth about hell, I actually know about that way of thinking and believing with an intimacy and intensity which probably honestly surpasses that of any human being you have ever known in your life. But while many millions of truly wonderful people have built and continue to build their entire belief system around that way of thinking about hell and look to it as the single most important incentive for people to convert to Christianity and thus see it as central to the future success of institutional Christianity in general and Christian missions in particular, other equally serious Christians have, across the Christian centuries, found that way of thinking about hell difficult, if not impossible, to reconcile with some of what they see in scripture and all of what they believe about God for example while John 3:16 through 18 and John 14:6 are often turned to to support the idea that those who do not believe what Christians believe about Jesus will be eternally separated from God in hell. In other passages, such as today's gospel lesson, the one we read a few moments ago, and Matthew 5, 22, and Matthew 25, 46, and Luke 16, 24, and Revelation 21, 8, people go to hell based not on what they believe, but based on how they live. So, even in the Bible itself, who goes to hell and why, is not nearly as simple as it sometimes sounds in popular Christianity. And then, of course, there is the larger question of how to reconcile a perpetual punishment in which people are endlessly in agony and separated from God forever with the bible's vision in revelation 5:13 of every creature and person in all creation singing praise to God forever and ever around the throne which is not unlike Isaiah's vision of a great far-off someday when all people will sit down at the banquet table of God. A vision Paul embraces when Paul says in Ephesians 1.10 that God's plan for the fullness of time is to gather up all things in heaven and on earth in Christ All of which is to say that if anyone is in hell forever, then that will mean that the ultimate will of God will never be done. Which is what prompted even the father of modern religious conservatism john calvin wants to say that christians are obligated to pray for the ultimate salvation of all which would be a way of thinking about hell which would actually be true to the most and best that we know about God, a hell where judgment is in the service of redemption, where hell is not a place of torment people go to as much as it is a path of purging people go through, not so that people can live just any old way they please and go waltzing into heaven, not at all, but rather so that every injustice gets confronted. Every victim gets space. Every evil gets judged and every person gets eventually, ultimately, (coughs) redeemed. No matter how many millions of years it takes because on the other side of the grave God has all the time in the world to heal every soul God ever loved, which is every soul who ever lived. Finally, eternally, Eventually redeemed, healed, and home. A way of thinking about judgment which might be more true to the best and most we know of God plus. That way, the ultimate will of God is ultimately done. God, not sin or rejection or evil, but God gets to have the last word. No one, of course, can speak of these great mysteries with settled certainty. But it does seem right that everyone should at least require what they believe about hell to match what they believe about God. Instead of bending what we believe about God to match what we believe about hell.